Welcome to the brand new Metal Hammer podcast. It's episode 161. Elle's laughing at me because I slightly did the intro differently to the first take. Who cares? Uh, it's episode 161. I am Mel from Metal Hammer. You're Elle from Metal Hammer. How's it going, Elle? I'm very well, thanks. How are you? I am good. And I'm especially excited because I got the brand new issue of Metal Hammer through my letterbox just now. Have you got yours yet? No, I haven't got mine yet. I'm jealous. I want to see how it looks. It looks fucking brilliant, if I do say so myself. Uh, obviously, we're all not in the office at the moment, so we get our issues the same as you guys do, which is through our letterboxes. And the new issue of Metal Hammer, it's a special one because we've got the one and only Gajira back on the cover of Metal Hammer for the first time in, oh, like five years or something? It's been a long time yeah. since we've had Gajira on the cover. Um, so they're back on the cover. We're calling them the band of the decade, which I think is absolutely true. And the woman in the studio with me right now, Miss Eleanor Goodman, had an excellent conversation with the Duplantier brothers about their fascinating new album, Fortitude, that we are about to uh, dissect a bit later on in this show. Also talking to them about their amazing journey from basically being just a couple of brothers hanging out in a fairly nondescript town somewhere in France to being probably the most vital and important metal band of their generation, which is good, isn't it? Yeah, it's been a very long but amazing journey for them. It was really interesting to chat to them about where they've come from and where they're going and all the things that have influenced them to be who they are today because they're so unique. They're such a unique band, which I'm sure we'll get into very soon. Yeah, definitely. It's a really great feature. And also, especially uh, a shout out to our, our editor, Louise, who, um, you know, we're going to be honest, Gajira aren't, uh, haven't always been the most kind of uh, uh, animated photo takers. And I think what Louise has done with this cover is just absolutely brilliant. It's so worth going and picking up for that alone. It is properly frameable, this one. I love it. Um, so yeah, if you're a Gajira fan, you're not going to want to miss it. You're not going to want to miss the Gajira bundles, which we are unveiling very soon as well. So look out for those. But also in the new issue of El Hammer, uh, we've got a big thing on Black Sabbath celebrating Master of Reality, which turns, I guess it must be 50 this year. Oh, God. Oh, don't That's make scary. me do maths. <laughs> I was going to say it makes me feel old, but I wasn't born then, so it's fine. But yeah, we go inside the uh, the madness, the weed, the war, and all the craziness of Master of Reality. We're in the studio with Courtney from Spirit Box, talking about one of the most anticipated new albums of 2021. Uh, we have a really cool feature with the one and only Corpse Grinder from Cannibal Corpse, who, if you've been paying attention to the Mount Hammer website recently, you've probably realised has basically established himself as the most wholesome lad in the world right now. We just love that guy. Such a great interview with him in the new issue of Metal Hammer as well. We've got a big thing in Avenged Sevenfold looking inside their most career-defining moments. We've got an epic feature looking at the 50 greatest cult bands of all time. We're talking the likes of uh, Woods of E-Press, uh, Bathory, Acid Bath, Tura Satana. Loads of great stories in there about some of the cult bands that have defined the metal underground over the decades. Uh, we've got Perturbator, While She Sleeps, Evil, Evil are back, Devin Townsend, Tetrarch, Wadruna. It's absolutely stacked. It's out right now. Uh, order it direct to your door from tinyurl.com slash gethammer or pop out to your local shop uh, if you actually don't know where you can get uh, your local copy of Metal Hammer go to tinyurl.com slash findhammer and then you can find out exactly where to go and buy it out in the real world since we're kind of slowly but surely getting back out in the real world here in the UK it is really good and we're going to have lots more to talk about with Gajira in just a moment um You've had a good week, Al. You've been banging on about that Corn album. Uh, not the album, sorry, the live stream. I feel like we should talk about it. 
Yeah, I feel like I've I had really bad night's sleep for the last couple of nights because I've watched the corn live stream two nights in a row and then I was so excited by it that when I went to get into bed and go to sleep, I couldn't sleep because I was still really excited and it wasn't even a real live gig, it was a stream. And I just was so excited about it because it was just amazing. We've spoken a lot about live streams, but the thing that really stood out about this one was the location. So this one took place in LA and it was on the set of Stranger Things, the drive into experience, which is one of these kind of um, immersive experiences where you could get in your car and drive into a Stranger Things experience and have various, I think, I assume from the trailer, various people in costumes um, jump out at you and that kind of thing. But the amazing thing was, it's on the top of this building. So there were all these incredible drone shots of corn playing on a stage with the LA skyline in the background at night. It's so badass. And the then photos looked amazing. I haven't seen the stream yet, but even just the shots just looked incredible. It's so good. It just couldn't look cooler. It looked incredibly cinematic, incredibly cool, incredibly metal. And then they had these massive screens stretching out behind them, which just had like the corn logo and various visuals like lightning and waves. And it looks just so huge. And the sound was incredible as well. Jonathan was incredibly clear. It was a kind of sound you'd probably get from a live DVD rather than a show, which is kind of how these live streams are going, really. They're sort of turning more into kind of big budget productions, at least for the bigger bands. Um, and just the band, like I'm so happy that Corn are still a band after all these years, and not just that they're still a band, but they're really enjoying it as well. Like Head, obviously, the prodigal son looks so happy. Fieldy was pulling all these stupid faces. Um, they basically invented new metal. Come at me, um, and it was just great because they're so they've not gone shit do you know what i mean some bands yeah they kind of become like almost like a one of metal's national treasures or something haven't they it's just like everyone loves them now and every time they play a festival it just feels like such a wholesome fun vibrant thing and yeah Yeah. like they're just great fucking love corn and they're not a nostalgia act the set list was really interesting for the show it was incredibly varied yeah that was the thing that interested me the most when i saw it the next day it's a mad set list yeah it was amazing um, they, the first song was Victimized, um, which is from the Paradigm Shift. Paradigm Shift. I love the Paradigm Shift. Uh, I've got on about that loads on this podcast. Um, and as soon as it came in, it just like hit me in the chest. I was like, wow, this is so cool. And then the second song was Cold, which is obviously from the Nothing, which we haven't seen them tour yet because of the pandemic. Um, and it's just great to see a band that can bring out all these songs from the last few years or the last decade and you know they obviously did do freak on a leash um alone i break falling away from me but just to have all these other songs in their catalog because their catalog is amazing um and then they threw in obviously i love narcissistic cannibal skrillex tune hits. um but it was one of those shows where every song you're like, oh, they're playing this song, they're playing this song, they're playing this song, and even though it's not a greatest hits, I think if you're a corn fan, it felt it just felt really special and really brilliant because you're just getting to hear all these songs that you really love. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I, I didn't see it, but I really want to see it. I haven't seen the set list now because it's mad. I mean, bringing back Thoughtless, I've seen Corns live so many times and I still don't know yeah. if I've even seen them play Thoughtless. Maybe like in the first couple of times I've seen them. 
um, and playing like Dirty Off Issues and um, a couple of tracks off Serenity of Suffering, which is really cool because that was a really good album. Love that record. Um, yeah, oh, it's just favorite. like really, really interesting. It was basically like a rarities set list apart from a couple of exceptions. And I just think that's think, so cool because... I think I've, it is, but sorry, I'm too excited and I've just talked over you. No, go for it. <laughs> I was going to say it is like a rarity set list, but... They all, like I said, I think if you're a Corn fan, they all kind of feel like hits to you. You just get that thing where you're like, oh, it's this song. And you mentioned Thoughtless. Setlist FM said that hasn't been played since 2010. Um, the last time I saw that played wasn't Corn playing it. It was a Corn covers band in a metal bar in Hong Kong in 2015. So <laughs> it was nice. like when I heard them play that, I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Like, Actually as well, just looking at that um, Setlist FM stuff, they basically played it a ton around the Untouchables album. And then they played it a few times in 2009, a couple of times in 2006. And they've barely played it at all since then. Like they played it once in 2010. So it's like real rare song, which is weird because it was like a big single with a video at the time and stuff. But yeah. um, I love that song. And yeah, that was kind of the song I saw in there where I was like, oh my God, like... I'd have lost my shit if I was a show and they rolled that out. Totally. Um, and it made me, yeah, I was so happy because, and it also sort of took me back to the memory of seeing the Corn Covers band do it, who, you know, not not proper corn, but I enjoyed it anyway. Prop corn. Um, yeah. <laughs> that was terrible. It was terrible. Let's move on. Uh <laughs> <laughs> hats off to Danny Wimmer because obviously Danny Wimmer does all the big US festivals and he's headed up um, some of these live streams that just have these amazing production values like the Pussifer ones. And um, yeah, like incredible, incredible fidelity. Yeah, heading up all those US festivals that seem to be having Mudvayne as a headliner, which is fucking mind-boggling, yeah. quite frankly. But uh, yeah, we uh, we talked about that last week a little bit, actually, but pretty, pretty cool. Um, also had a download announcement as well, speaking of corn. Uh, download 2022, looking very fleshed out. Unsurprisingly, to see uh, a lot of bands that were due to play uh 2020 and or 2021 i guess i'm losing track but um yeah interesting lineup there as well anything to say about the download lineup hell corner on the download lineup yes they are <laughs> so are deftones <laughs> no yeah. loves basically yeah two of my favorite bands so um that's good enough for me exactly uh so yeah if you if you haven't seen the full list of bands yet you can see them now over at metalhammer.com but um yeah deftones are on their corner on their megadeth still panther uh i think actually further down the further down this bill you get the uh the more interesting it gets because right near the bottom you've got bands like a hey, williams twin temple venom prison um lots of exciting younger bands on there on the smaller stages as well lovely 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 stuff but enough of that we're here for business because there is a very very exciting new album out this week uh and we have dedicated the new issue to the band that put that album out. It is Gajira with their brand new album, Fortitude, out on Friday via Roadrunner Records. Um, God, I can't believe it's been five years since Magma. Like, it's just, yeah. that is, I, I, maybe we would have heard it earlier if it weren't for the pandemic, but even so, like, that's a long stretch between albums. And I feel like, um, I feel like everyone's ready for a new Gajira album now. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I feel like we would have heard it earlier as well. And, I remember last summer um, being out of my house during the easing of restrictions and that video came out for Another World where they were in the spaceship and taking off, which is an incredible video if you've not seen the Another World video. There's so many tiny details in there. But yeah, it's been such a long time since we've heard anything else from Gojira. Um, 
that it is yeah it just feels like it's time yeah definitely um seven studio i'm obviously longest gap between records as well for sure um it's an interesting journey for Gajira because like i kind of feel like for me this is a band that have just got better and better and better and they started great i mean Gajira are one of those metal bands that just have never put out an album that's less than great in their entire career and we're talking about two full decades now it's 20 years since terra incognita um and they've never done anything that falls below a very 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 high standard um but i kind of feel like each album they've just got better as they've gone along i mean i'd maybe put from master serious uh, maybe above the way of all flesh if we're like being strict and ranking them but they're kind of on the same level and then from then on i mean l'enfant sauvage was astonishing magma was my favorite thing they've ever done um and the bar just continues to get raised for this band and uh well what do you think about fortitude then do you think they've met the bar again yeah i think you just said a minute ago something about them not making a bad album i might have forgotten your exact phrasing but one thing about Kajira is that they just always seem to have had this integrity and always seem to have had their own personality. And this record is like a culmination of everything they've been doing for years um, on a really grand, ambitious scale. Um, you know, they've always kind of done interesting instrumental things and it kind of takes it up a notch here. They've always done absolutely face-melting riffs and there's loads of them on here. It's like everything that makes Kajira good is found here and it's all bound up in this amazing sense of human connectivity they've, they've always lyrically addressed um existential questions and i've just talked so much about the human condition and what it means to be human and how our physical and mental health affects each other and these again these are kind of deep humanistic topics that not all metal bands get entangled with but this record really has this kind of greater sense of being part of something bigger and there's also kind of a lot of encouragement in here as well um for people to sort of keep going and keep pushing on and we're all in it together sort of thing um there's just yeah it's just very gajira and it's exceptionally well executed yeah i mean it really does feel like a crystallization of the evolution that gajira have undertaken so far um i don't it's hard to gauge whether because to me, every pretty much every album they've done um, feels like there's been like a significant step forwards. And I don't know if I would say Fortitude feels like that. Like Magma really felt like a step towards the kind of almost stadium-sized songs that they were starting to write on L'Enfant Sauvage. And don't get me wrong, because you have always written big sounding songs, but it just feels like they've really like uh, evolved that side of their their sound over the years. Um, and Magnus felt like another big step forward in that. I also felt maybe because of the context of that album, it felt like it had an even bigger emotional pull to it than anything they'd done before. Like songs like The Cell I've talked about before just felt like, you know, they were an absolute gut punch to your emotions when they when you first heard them. And that felt like a kind of big step forward in that regard as well. I don't know if I would describe Fortitude upon the multiple listens I've had so far anyway, as quite as big a step forward. I mean, there are a lot of interesting things on here and there's some interesting things Joe in particular is doing with his voice and things like that. But this definitely feels more to me like, basically like you said, El, like a kind of crystallization of everything that's making Gira great so far. 
Um, I mean, I love the way it starts. Like the, the funny thing about this record is that I think they've already released like at least half of it now. They've released half yeah, of the songs on this album. Totally. <laughs> so obviously a lot of you listening will already know about this, but we're going <laughs> to go through it anyway. But um, Born For One Thing, I love the way that kicks this record off. Like the energy of it, the bounce of it. Obviously we're new metal kids. So anything that's got a bit of bounce <laughs> and pace to it, we're all about that life. Um, and, and yeah, it's just a really cool way to start the album because it's like, it's been five years we're not messing around we're off to the races um and then it kind of settles into that really classically because you're like searing emotionally charged chorus um i mean this just feels like a gig opener to me it opens the album and it feels like it should be something they come on and just smash everyone with first song on for their show do you know what i mean yeah totally it's a total it's a total good jira song like you said something that could just smash everyone's pieces it's got this chorus about being born for one thing which is basically death so it's like oh we'll just open it with a bit of death and you know a bit of existential questioning which is 100 percent gajira um yeah it's a great album opener love it um amazonia as well um bringing out the kind of more out there elements of gajira's sound there's got things like the jaw harp in it um and there's there's like woodwind instruments on this track as well it gives the song this kind of majestic tribalistic feel uh, but then it lurches into this chugging riff in the midsection and that, that riff through the chorus is just so epic as well. It just punches straight through you. So it's like these songs like Amazonia and Born For One Thing are a really cool way to, to kind of start off the album because they feel like very different songs. But if you kind of break down everything in them, it's so it's still so quintessentially Gajira. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I was this... This is one of my favourites. It might be my favourite, but I'm always hesitant to pick favourites just in case they change. But <laughs> <laughs> when I heard this, I was totally blown away. I just thought, wow, like what they've done with it and the way they brought all these sounds together. There, are, it, When you listen to it, there are so many different sounds and indi- indigenous instruments and they're referencing Roots era sepultura. And there's so much going on, but because they're just able to bind it all together so it hits you again it just hits you in the face it, it sounds like a unified thing even though there's all these tiny little bits in it there's like throat singing and stuff in it um there's even a little bit that reminds me of mastodon just the lyrics there was just like the lyric burn the land learn the end and it kind of reminded me of the way mastodon sometimes use those kind of like lyrical couplets and things um and i in the feature actually in the magazine i spoke some a little bit about how they talk to Mastodon a bit about um, sort of songwriting and riffs and that kind of thing. And that kind of stood out a little bit, but yeah, it's just, it's a really massive song and they're writing it about something they believe in as well, which is cool. Yeah. And they've, they've obviously wrapped up a lot of uh, um, activism in that as well, which is really, really mm. cool. Uh, obviously another world's on this album, which was a bit of a surprise when I put it on because that was kind of like projected, like it was a standalone single. Um, but it's on here. I think it still fits on here. And I thought what was quite cool was that the first time I played this album, I hadn't actually listened to Another World for ages. And as soon as it came in, it kind of shocked me a bit because I really recognised it instantly. And it instantly just sounded like a classic Gajira track, which is really good. And I think that's going to get a big sing-along when they play it live because, uh, again, that came during the pandemic as well, ridiculously. So it seems like it was ages ago they released that. But um, another Gajira track we kind of... Uh, are waiting to see live obviously um i love hold on i think it's just got got such gorgeous melodies on here um i love the kind of picking that joe does on these kind of tracks because it gives them an almost kind of like dreamy vibe like this kind of like alluring almost meditative uh aspect to them which is really cool there's just such a deep sense of spirituality that comes through gajiro in those in those kind of moments um 
but then it you know obviously leads to another colossal rift that just swings in and smashes you in the face <laughs> yeah it starts out like the first time i heard this i was messaging you and i was like sounds like wardruna like it just sounds like sort of the neo folk metal movement very very earthy and tribal and just imagine everybody being in a forest kind of doing these sort of earthy prayer chants to be connected to something bigger than yourself um and that's really cool and then the rest of this one like this is the song that you want to put on if you're if you you know you you need encouragement in something in your life it's like very it's like the Gajira equivalent of hate breed or something it's like basically just saying hold on and fight um and keep on going and it's cool i really like this song yeah it's great um you found as well as another track with a massive chorus um i guess it's kind of in this next section of the album that things get really interesting and i'm really uh, I, I mean, I know that the chant is out there now and I've seen some quite interesting comments on it. What did you think of this kind of couplet of the of fortitude going into the chant? They're obviously meant as a as a duo um, and you've got this kind of shamanic chanting chorus uh, that kind of underpins the whole uh, song. Um, and it's I think it's the most interesting song on here. What do you think of this side of Gajira that they're really bringing out? It felt like a big surprise when I listened to this record and it went from Newfound into these two tracks. And Newfound to me sounded, again, like very Gajira and the kind of thing you would hear at festivals and you would just be really excited by. And then it just drops into this other kind of atmosphere. And Fortitude, the instrumental, again, it kind of links back to The Link. As we were talking about earlier, they had interludes in there, which were very kind of... Um, primal sounding and so I was like yeah this is cool and then the chant comes in and yeah I was kind of surprised there's a whole song with this vibe I think I messaged you when I was listening to it and was like wow there's almost like a dub feel to this it sounds so different and it's a whole song and it's in the middle of the record um but again I just like I think it really works I think um you know not everything has to be heavy all the time and they can do heavy really well and they can do this side really well and it kind of feels a bit like a bold move to kind of stick it in the middle of especially it's followed by sphinx as well which is again another super gajira song you've kind of got this interlude and the chant trapped between these two massive heavy songs um but somehow it's it still fits yeah i really like the way sphinx comes in actually because it's a perfect palate cleanser after the chant because it's really chuggy and uh joe's vocals are really guttural and gnarly these this is like mm. old school joe duplantier vocals on sphinx um and it's just a heavy as fuck song and i think it's you know like i ha i have i have noticed i mean you know you always get annoying vocal minorities on on the internet when it comes to kind of complaining about stuff but um, I have noticed some people kind of com complaining about the chant because it is one of the songs they've put out there. Um, and uh, I kind of think if people are unsure about where Gajira are at in terms of still being a heavy band, just wait until you hear the chant go into Sphinx because any <laughs> worries you might have about their ability to still sound absolutely colossal just gets smashed into bits straight away. Um, but then again, you know, it goes into The Trails, um, which is uh, another softer track. And I think Joe's vocals on here are probably as soft as they've ever been. Like he's really expanding his range on this record and it sounds fucking great. Like, and it's it's something that I think any metal band with ambition probably needs to do 
if uh, if they're looking to to fill major venues and kind of step up and step forward and establish themselves as a major player on the scene. Um, and, uh, I th- you know, I think this kind of asset to their sound is, is, is essential. It's essential. It's got to, it's got to be part of what Gajira do now. And I think they pull it off really well. I think Joe's vocals have always been great. And like you said, he's got that range, like on the trails, he's whispering. There are other songs where he's singing, there are other songs where it's almost like talking, singing. There's other songs where he's doing the death metal growl and he just switches between them. And it's almost, you can't say it's imperceptible because obviously you can perceive it, but he does it in such a way that it's so seamless that you don't really uh, consciously think about what style he is singing in because he just switches to suit whatever the music is doing but when you actually stop and you actually kind of isolate his vocal and you think about everything he's doing on every song it's really mind-blowing and it's you know just shows how much talent he has um you did miss out into the storm though after sphinx oh i did yeah sorry it has um that's another massive kind of banger i guess and he does that thing where he screams go and i was trying to think like who was the first metal band to do that was that sepulchre already you think <laughs> possibly yeah possibly i mean it's, it's obviously something gajira have done uh, as well um everyone's yeah, just... done it but i love it i just whenever anyone screams go i'm like yeah you scream go. maybe maybe at the gates in 94 when did gajira do it uh, no, no, when did sepulchre do it sorry it. yeah that, that's oh. definitely like a thing I don't know. I'm just trying to think when it would be, and yeah, <laughs> but it's just I just love it because it's so metal, and they just they're not ashamed to be metal. A lot of bands of their kind of era or age will go off and do progressive metal or something, which is great. But Gajira are still like, no, we came from death metal. Here's some metal, and uh, I applaud that. I applaud it too. Um, I also <laughs> like uh, the fact that the album ends again. If there's any kind of doubt at all about like you know Kajira's ability to be fucking heavy grind is just one of the most kind of well-named tracks on the album because it just it is just like this kind of grinding dragging lurching track um and again Joe's vocals right back into the early days of Kajira here like really heavy really guttural um but it's still kind of peppered with these rich soulful harmonies and it kind of evolves into this really lush final third that just sounds stunning um and i kind of said earlier there's almost like a weird kind of meditative quality to what gajira do because it's so spiritual and it just really seeps through everything they do and it's amazing that they've kind of tapped into that because you know they're a bunch of lads from a little town in france they're kind of not (laughs) really connected in in that way um but But it's sorry go on it's really meditative when it's heavy as well like because you could say it's meditative and you could think oh you're just talking about the chant or fortitude but it's through every single thing they do even stuff like sphinx newfound hold on i mean part of that is probably mario who we've not really talked about but his drumming is obviously um incredible as well and when he just does like double kick or a really complex pattern and he just achieves that effect where it sounds like a sort of continuous holding pattern it just you kind of don't notice again like every single beat and every single thing he's doing but it kind of holds you in this very heavy meditative state which is a different kind of meditative state to the chant yeah definitely um i just remembered it was 95 that other gates did the go thing with slaughter of the soul as well i have to correct myself or i'll give myself sleepless nights 
Um, <laughs> so yeah, it's just uh, it, this is just uh, this is a fucking great, 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 great album. Gajira don't know how to do music. There's anything less than fucking awesome, and I think um, you know that there are, as I said at the start, there are definitely some interesting sidesteps here. You definitely feel like you know Joe's voice, for instance, in particular, is evolving a lot and expanding its range. Um, there's there's new things they're kind of kind of tweaking and and doing quite subtly in here as well. But overall, it just feels like. I got the kind of perfect crystallization of a really great Gajira record. And I think in a world where maybe more than ever in the last few years, to be honest, we've seen how huge their influence is from like bands like Architects to Conjurer to a ton of like the young bands signed to labels like Nuclear Blast. Like any band, modern band that's kind of really heavy tends to have a bit of Gajira in them these days. Um, it's cool to see the kind of ogs come back and just show everyone how it's done because there's something about this band's mixture of harmony heaviness and spirituality and like you put it the best out really that kind of human connection and, and existentialism that they kind of touch upon that just sets them apart from anyone else and it's just fuck yeah how brilliant to have them back yeah amazing and they just are who they are um and they carry themselves so well they don't have any kind of gimmicks they don't say or do anything particularly outrageous they just come on and play awesome music and um yeah there's just so much personality in it yeah exactly um it's interesting because i feel like for the first time in a few years in metal there's a group of bands and like don't get me wrong they're at slightly different levels each and they're all quite different to each other but it does feel like there's a group of bands who are all at that point now where everyone's eagerly waiting to see what they can do next and if they can start really staking their claims to headline festivals and break into the mainstream and all this kind of stuff you've got like architects you've got parkway drive you've got ghosts and then you've also got gajira um and I'm really interested to see what this album can do for them, because in the same way that we've seen Architects probably take a significantly bigger leap forwards sonically on their last album, um, you know, they've released a record that we'll have to see how that goes. And then they got a number one album with it and everything else. And now we've got a Gajira album, which, you know, is a imp really important album for them, because when tours do finally pick up again and we can see where they're going to be on festivals and all the rest of it, this is probably going to be the cycle that kind of... Uh, let's just see if they've actually if they can actually do it do you know what i mean yeah um we speak a little bit about that in the feature about the fact that everybody saw magma as this huge massive step up but for them it was hard to see because they were just on this continuous journey they've been on for 20 years and it was all part of the plan and joe was basically like well we've worked this hard for this long so if we don't have some kind of success we've probably fucked up basically <laughs> yeah fair. Um, yeah it's not they're not an overnight success story are they whatever happens <laughs> No, but um, but you know they did acknowledge that Magma had some tracks like um, Silvera, Stranded that were a bit more accessible than what they'd done in the past. They weren't kind of long um, tracks that had all different kind of sections to them. They were more immediate. And this record, you know, there's a lot of stuff on here which is very immediate, and so I think that will serve them well in terms of um, newcomers to the record, um, and in terms of sort of picking up new fans and that kind of thing. But they haven't, you know, they've not compromised anything at all. It's still mm. exceptionally heavy, exceptionally Gajira. They are just 
like well we've said it on the on the cover of Mount Hammer they are the band of the decades I don't think there could be any doubt about it um really excited to see where the album takes them I know I think I said that about sleeps and architects which is a good sign because it means there's a lot of really exciting modern cutting edge bands putting out uh great stuff at the moment um I'll be, i don't know how this album will sit in their kind of uh in their discography for me when all is said and done because i don't feel like it's quite grabbed me in the same way that um magma did maybe like the first time i heard magma i was like oh my fucking god this is giving you my album of the year like i just knew it and this one it's kind of like there's never a moment on this where you're not thinking this is fucking awesome, but I don't know if it's quite hit me emotionally in the same way. So I'm interested to see how the dust will settle on that. I'm guessing I'm yeah. not going to get you to commit to anything. In that, in that <laughs> well, I think, you know, we've had this discussion uh, off air as well. I think with things like with the record Magma, it was obviously coming from a place where they were grieving and trying to make sense of things after their mum died. Of course, Mario and Joe are uh, brothers and there was so much kind of rawness that you could feel in there. There was a certain energy that you could feel um, that felt very real and very honest. And I think that's across their whole discography, but something like that felt like this sort of distillation of it and this moment in time where they're really having to get to grips with some of the things they've been singing about for years and really having to think about what it means to be human and trying to deal with this through music and being brothers and what it meant for their family and so on. And so I don't think you're going to get the same sense of that through Fortitude because it's not coming from the same place. But I think you still are getting the honesty. You still are getting the talent. So I feel like you might respond differently to each record but i wouldn't say um yeah i think it's just a different kind of way to think about it or a different way to judge it but maybe even in the same way you're talking about architects albums like lost forever or all our gods have abandoned us um they were incredible albums that then took on new significance when you realized exactly what they were writing about and so when they kind of came back and did holy hell you know it's sort of you sort of had to re kind of recalibrate yourself a bit um, and then obviously they've done For Those That Wish To Exist, which is kind of the first time they've sort of stepped away from all of that. So I think with all these bands, you kind of just have to look at where they've come from in each record and kind of judge it on that merit. I think the, the context is different. The emotion is different. There's a different vibe coming out of them. So, Definitely. yeah. I guess as well, it'll be just interesting to see, you know, I love the idea of, which hopefully will happen if people this being people's some people's first Kajira album and knowing yeah. how those tracks will resonate with someone that's not really heard this band before um and i definitely think with some of the songs on here um you know especially kind of like I said the, the bounce and energy of born for one thing the just kind of emotional epicness of amazonia um and just the kind of you know how do you fit a song like the chant into a Spotify playlist or something. Do you know what I mean? Like, where is it fixed? It just doesn't really sound like anything else that's out there at the moment. And that's really exciting to me. And all the best bands um, should stand out on anything they do. So, yeah, it's a fucking great album. It is out this Friday. Fortitude, because you're a seven studio album via uh, Roadrunner Records. And once you're done blasting that, uh, make sure you read the brand new issue of Metal Hammer that's out right now, starring the one and only Gajira. Um, it's a great read. We're very proud of it, and we always appreciate your support. 
uh that's about it i think for this week so thanks very much for joining us on the podcast we'll see you next week take care of each other and uh stay metal everyone goodbye goodbye